Next on Contemplate. Would you rather learn how to work hard enough? Learn how to work hard enough to make everyone like you and approve of you. Or would you rather learn how to not need everyone to like you and approve of you? As you can tell, this is going to be an important episode, as among other things, we talk about our motives and why we do what we do. Please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. Everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be cool. Everybody wants to be loved and valued. That's normal, and we try to find all kinds of ways to find that love and that value, and the problem is we constantly fail. We constantly fail. We constantly are disappointed with people because they can't live up to that standard that we need to put us in the place where we feel valued. And so we're mad at our spouse or our boss or our kids or whoever. At the end of the day, what it really is is we're upset that we're not feeling valuable enough and we're blaming them for not doing their part to make us feel that way. But the problem is we're looking in the wrong direction. We're looking in the wrong direction. At the end of it all, we are looking for something to feel valued and to feel special in a place where those things could never be found. They could never be found. We're in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and what we've seen is that Paul and Silas and Timothy are reminding the people, okay, they've left Thessalonica, they're writing them a letter, and they're reminding them what the apostles, what the believers, what the Christ followers were like when they were around them. When they were with them. Okay, so pick up a Bible and, and go with me to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 4 through the first part of verse 7. It says, But if, as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, or a cloak for no, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. That's where we're going to stop. That's our passage for the day. Now, Paul is saying a lot of things. The first thing that he says that I find interesting, he says that they were approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. Paul is saying God approved us to bring the good news. He approved us to do that. Now, you, you know, for any of you who have had to get like a driver's license, somebody's got to approve that. You know, you have, you have to go, though. You have to pass that test. And you got to get that stamp of approval, right? If you have a certification for your job, you've got to be approved to do it, right? There's a certain thing that you go through so that you can get that approval, that stamp of authority for you to go ahead and do the thing that now you're able to do, whatever that happens to be. And they're saying that. We've been approved. We've been tested. We've been tried, Right? We've been approved based on the level of maturity, faithfulness, and knowledge, and particular giftedness to bring the good news, right? These are the things that were necessary for us to be approved by God to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the Thessalonians and others. It doesn't tell us exactly what the test was that gave these, these guys approval, but we understand that there was something that had to happen for them to have approval. Now, I'm not just talking about sharing the good news as in, as in talking to other people about Jesus. That's, that's something every believer is approved for. Every Christ follower is not only approved for it, ought to be talking about Jesus and what he's done for you and leading people to know Jesus. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about approval to bring the word in this case is they're bringing it across the world, planting churches, and they have theological authority to do so, okay? 
This is an issue for some believers, and I, and I want you to follow me here because there's this tendency to get ahead of approval, to get ahead of approval. You want to, you, you have a passion and a heart to do things for the Lord. You even feel a calling to do things for the Lord, but you're not there yet. You're not ready yet. It hasn't been approved. It hasn't gotten the check mark. It's not time to go yet. And there's a little patience that's needed. When I was in law school um, and I had made my way, you know, somewhat recently back to a vibrant life in Christ after some years of rebellion. And we were part of a church and, and I was growing and it was great and I was loving every bit of it. And I had a clear understanding from the Lord at that time that I was not to teach. I just knew that I was not supposed to teach. Okay, instead I worked with two-year-olds. Um, I did I did all kinds of other stuff at the church. My wife and I we got involved. We did stuff. We 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 for years we were just there and available and learning and growing and taking and teaching and, and doing all those kinds of things. But I did not teach. I had not been approved to bring the gospel in a pastoral way or from the pulpit or in a life group or anything like that. I just stayed away from it. I didn't teach. And it was not until years later of growing in the Lord and getting further along in maturity that God allowed me to begin teaching the Word. It took a long time. And one of the reasons for that is what we're seeing here in this passage, okay? One of the reasons for that is that teachers have temptations, particular temptations that are unique, not unique, but come up a lot with those who teach. Paul is actually going through this list of things they didn't do, but the reason he's saying they didn't do it is because so many teachers did do them. There's a lot of things that could happen, and so God has to approve you. That means you have to have gone through a certain amount of time so that you have the ability to, to come against those kinds of temptations that are going to come at you as a teacher, okay? And so uh, these are the things that he talks about. People-pleasing, people right? People-pleasing, trying to make other people happy. Flattery, flattering people to get something from them. Greed or covetousness, wanting people's stuff. Glory seeking, wanting lots to be made of you, and power seeking, wanting to have authority over other people. These are all temptations that come to teachers, and you can probably, you probably may have people in your mind as I'm saying those things. Yep, that's that one. Yeah, that's that one. You know, whatever. And you're thinking about the different people in your life who, who may have these issues, who may be tempted to these issues. And so that's why they had to be approved to do those things, because all these things that they're talking about are things the Thessalonians had seen in the different philosophers and religious teachers that had come into town. And Paul is saying, listen, we weren't, we're not like that. I'm not like that. That's not how we came to you. We didn't come to you with those problems. So let's go through the problems one by one that he's saying they didn't come with. He says, we were not people pleasers, not people pleasers, but God pleasers, not people pleasers, but God pleasers. Paul is saying that the ministry in Thessalonica was not about pleasing people. It wasn't about making people feel good. That's not what it was about. It was about pleasing God. Now there are a lot of people who struggle with people pleasing, right? Some call this fear of man or fear of people. You, you always want to make people around you happy. You always want to please other people. You don't like conflict. You don't like difficulty. You don't like the idea that anyone could not like you, right? And, and so you want to please people. What we're talking about earlier, you want to be popular. You want to fit in. And we seek to please people because sometimes we feel that we need the approval of other people in order to feel valuable ourselves. And here, the contrast is important that Paul makes. Uh, they were approved by God, not by people, and so they had to please God, not people. He was approved by God, 
obviously implied is not by people. And so he says, we came as pleasers of God, not people pleasers. And that's our job as Christ followers. We need to please God, not people. Why? Because our value, our approval, all of those things comes from God. And so he's the one we should worry about pleasing, not people who could never give us value or approval. Those are not the people who we should be pleasing. But the problem is that many, many, many of us do not live in the reality of this truth. We do not live in the reality of this truth. I want you to listen to something. Listen. God loves you. God loves you. He has not only said that, but he's proved it with the blood of his son. He loves you. You are infinitely valuable. That's what's true. There shouldn't be anywhere else that you need to go for your value than that. What he has said and what he has done. Nowhere else should you need to look for your value but in those things. I'm not saying it doesn't feel bad when people don't like you. Of course it feels, you're going to be very sad. It's sad when people don't like you. I'm not saying that you wouldn't be sad. It wouldn't make you feel bad. But if it makes you feel valueless, that's a problem. We're going to circle back to this. There's, there's more that's going to come that's going to, that's going to be connected to this sort of people-pleasing thing. So I want to kind of go back through and we'll come back around. Um, but I want you to think about this, this question as we walk through the rest of this. Would you rather learn how to work hard enough? Learn how to work hard enough to make everyone like you and approve of you. Or would you rather learn how to not need everyone to like you and approve of you? Would you rather learn how to do all the work so that every person likes you and approves of you. You're getting that Facebook likes galore. Ding, 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 ding. You're getting it all day. Notification, notification. Everybody likes your stuff. Everybody likes you. You smell good. You look good. Would you rather learn how to work so hard that that could happen for everybody? Or would you rather live in such a way that you weren't worried about it? You didn't need other people's approval to feel good. I think it's a, probably a pretty obvious question, but I'm not sure. I'll let you think about it. They were not flatterers. Flatterers. Paul writes, for neither at any time did we use flattering words. Now, there are a couple reasons for flattery. A couple reasons that people uh, use flattery. One is related to the last, last section, people pleasing, right? The person who comes around and flatters and flatters and flatters so that they can get the approval of somebody, right? So that, that person will be their friend, essentially, so that they can be in the crowd with that person. And for a lot of people, that works really well, at least for a time. If you flatter them, you can, you can get a long way. Flattery will get you everywhere, right, um, at some level. We have this desire to be approved by people who we've decided are the most important people to seek the approval of. And if you look at the, the way that we do that, it's really kind of a joke. The people who we choose to think we need the most approval from usually are the people who are famous or popular or rich or whatever. Oftentimes, the people who have the worst moral issues, sometimes they're, they're the last person that could give you any, any good word or any good advice or anything else. And, we're, and we'll literally eschew friends, family, whoever, people that really love us, that really care about us, that really are important so that we can have the approval of other people. And those are the people who we choose because those are the people for some reason that we've said we need the approval from because they happen to be the kind of person who stands out or whatever it is. And so we seek to flatter. We seek to flatter so we can get their approval, right? Because they're popular or rich or famous or powerful. Second reason for flattery is related to the next thing that Paul says they did not do. He said they were not covetous. They were not greedy for your stuff. We're not greedy for your stuff. We're not after what you can give us. We're not here for what you can do for us. We're not covetous. That's not what we're about, right? See, teachers would come into town in Thessalonica. They'd come in there, and they would, they would bring their 
philosophy, their idea, their religion, and they'd want to impress or have influence or get money from somebody. And so they would flatter. This is well known in the ancient world. It's no different than today. It was looked down on then just like it's looked down on now. But people used it then just like they use it now to manipulate. They use it to manipulate, to get something from the person who they're flattering. They covet something that they have. They covet something they have, whether it's their attention, whether it's their money, whether it's the power they can bring, whether it's the prestige they can bring, whatever it is. They covet something that they have, which Paul is saying, we were not covetous, but these other people were, and they would flatter in order to get that. Every player out there knows how to flatter to manipulate the opposite sex. Everyone, every pickup line ever written is an attempt to flatter to get something, oftentimes not something good right? Oftentimes the, the heart is not good in that, but people know how to flatter, right? People know how to flatter. You flatter your boss. You know, you got that, that bottom kisser at the office, flatter, 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 gets the promotion when you're actually working and all that person's doing is, oh, you look so great today, boss. You're the greatest. You're the... And, you, and you think, you know, office politics, all that kind of stuff. People do that, right? You've probably seen that. People flatter to get a promotion. People flatter politicians. All that, oh, you're so amazing, whatever. Because they want to be in that circle or they want a position of power. This is as old as the Bible, at least, and as old as the world, probably. It is an ugly tool. It is an ugly tool of manipulation, and Paul was saying, we do not play that game. That is not what we were like around, among you. That was not why we were here. We don't play that game. And we ought not. We should not do that as believers. If you find yourself using flattery to manipulate someone, you are actually harming that person and your own soul. It's actually pretty serious. It's actually pretty serious because it's deception, which is lying. Plain and simple. You have an ulterior motive. And you're deceiving somebody. You're saying things that may or may not be true, but you're putting them in such a way to try to get something from somebody you're manipulating. That means that you're deceiving and you're lying. And here's the thing that you need to look out for. This can actually happen in the church just like anywhere else. This can happen in the church just like anywhere else, but it shouldn't. Now, I'm not talking about when you come in and these greeters told you, it's great to see you today. You look great. That's not what I'm talking about, flattery. I'm talking about the person who stands up here oftentimes will use a form of flattery and people pleasing in order to get something. It's unfortunate, but it happens, right? Because when you walk into the car lot and you, ex and you see the salesperson, you sort of expect that they're going to tell you you look great and that this car is going to make your life amazing and all these kinds of things that, that you know they're buttering you up, right? And you know why they're doing that. They want to get a sale. No offense to car salespeople. We understand where you're at, but we at least come in with our guard up right? There are situations with salespeople and with things like that where we have our guard up. We know the person who comes to your door and they're going to sell you something. You have your guard up, right? You know that their intention is going to be to manipulate you, people please you, flatter you, whatever, to get you to buy their product. They want something from you, right? But you shouldn't expect that, that kind of flattering, people pleasing when you come to church because you generally don't prepare yourself for it and get ready for it. But let me just tell you something. For those listening who are checking out at church or watch this video online or who are in this room today who are walking through, you know, maybe you've moved into town lately and you're looking for a church, beware of flatterers. Beware of flatterers because they're out there. I'm not naming names or saying I know of particular people who do this, but I know generally this goes on in Christ's church sometimes. Okay? There are people who are actually, I think they start wanting to do something good because we all want the church to grow. We want new people to meet Christ. We want them to get transformed, right? We want people to come in. We want them to, to be part of ministries and be able to do more work for the kingdom and so on. I think sometimes people uh, get sort of lost in that. Now, sometimes I think people just want attention or they want money or whatever, but that's obviously a different problem. 
Sometimes they just want the church to grow. And they get lost in sort of an ends justify the means idea. And this is what happens. They start to sell Christianity. They start to sell it. They will tell you that Jesus loves you, but they will not tell you that he wants to stop sleeping with your boyfriend or stop getting drunk. They won't tell you those things. They'll just tell you about the fact that he loves you. They'll tell you that God thinks you're special, but not that your sin has caused you to be a broken person separated from God and that you need to humbly believe in and follow Jesus Christ in repentance and brokenness in order to be restored to shalom, to peace with God. They'll preach a a Jesus that, frankly, the Bible would not recognize. And here's the huge problem with that. Here's the huge problem with people pleasing and flattery within the church. If they tell you something other than the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ commands, then they are people pleasing you. They're not loving you. They're flattering you. And flattery and people pleasing in any relationship is deception. It's deception and it's dishonesty. And deception and dishonesty causes a lack of transparency in relationship and ultimately a lack of trust in relationship. Okay? Those things in relationship eventually cause you to break out of relationship because you realize that it's not real and it was based on flattery, people-pleasing, and deception. And this is why preaching the Word of God accurately and seriously is so important. Listen, if we teach and preach a flattery, people-pleasing Jesus, we are not preaching and teaching the real Jesus. And here's the problem with that. If the Jesus you think you're in a relationship with is not the real Jesus because it's a flattery, people-pleasing Jesus that we've preached to get more people into the building and more people into the chairs, we refuse to say the truth, then that's a big, big problem. Because are you in a relationship with Jesus if the Jesus I've told you about isn't the real Jesus? This is why we will not flatter you here. Okay, That might be tough, but we will not soften the commands of Jesus Christ so that you can be at ease. That's not our call. Why? Because we are to please God not people. We're not people pleasers. We have to please God. And here's the thing. God loves you. We please God because he loves you. And then we're not loving you. We cannot be loving you if we are not pleasing God. We got to be loving and pleasing God to be loving you. And loving and pleasing God is about telling the truth, not manipulating, not flattering, not people pleasing. And so wherever, if you're the private person who is in this process of seeing where God's called them to a church, wherever you go, whether it's here or somewhere else, just make sure it's not a place where you like it because it's putting you at ease and flattering you and people pleasing you. Proverbs 27, 6 is faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This passage is about flattery. Listen, if you have a friend or a spouse or anyone in your life, where you can think and you say, I never hear anything from them that's hard to hear. I never hear anything from them that, ouch. You may have a flattery problem in your life. You may have a problem with surrounding yourself with flatterers. And if you can be manipulated by flattery, here's another thing. If you can be manipulated by flattery, if it works on you, it means you do not trust God enough. If it works on you, you do not trust God enough because the praise people give you should not move you any more than when people give you contempt. One way or the other, it should not move you in the way that you feel about your value. And if it does, then you're not trusting God for your value. See, flattery should never be a tool that you use. We ought not to use it as believers because you love people too much to deceive them. 
but it also should be a tool that is useless against you because all your value and strength is in one place with the Lord. That's how you should deal with flattery. What's the next thing? They say, not seeking glory. Paul writes, nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. This is uh, directly related to the people pleasing and flattery stuff that we're talking about. And that Paul is telling the Thessalonians, we're not here to be famous and popular. At the time that, that this was going on, uh, these teachers that would come into town, these you know, different philosophers from different uh, philosophical schools and religious teachers and whatever, they'd come into town and they'd be seeking glory. You could become famous. Imagine that instead of you know, whoever the most famous rock star is, I don't know anymore, I'm very old, but whoever's super famous movie star, rock star, whatever, instead of that, it was the people who do TED Talks that were the very most famous people. That's what it was like there. Okay, there was no TV, there was no movie theater, right? So there was some drama and whatever. And then there were the people who talked. There were the talkers. And they could come into town, and if they did a good job, and they could speak eloquently, and they could do all of that, they could become very, very popular and famous. They could receive lots of glory from the people. And Paul and Silas and Timothy are saying, no, we didn't come for you to lift us up. We didn't come to seek glory from you so that we could be famous, so we could be the rock stars of Thessalonica. Okay? That's not why we're here. Actually, what we came to do was make someone famous, and that's Jesus Christ. We came here to as witnesses. Paul's a witness of the risen Jesus Christ, and he came to make Jesus famous, to make much of his name, but not to bring glory to himself, but to bring glory to Jesus. And that's a place where we have to always catch ourselves. What are we about in life? What's primarily driving us? Is it to bring ourselves glory? Are we looking to be famous? Are we looking to be looked at? Are we looking to be approved of and appreciated? Or are we looking to make Jesus famous? Are we looking to make much of his name? Powerful teaching, isn't it? And you want to be sure and listen to part two for much more. Until then, let me remind you that this same practical, no-nonsense Bible teaching happens every week here at Acts Church, and we would love to have you join us. Get easy directions and all the info you need at actschurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Be sure and check out the next episode here on Contemplate.